The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you thought the Lakers' Murphy's Law of a Season would finally let up and give us a break this holiday season, well, think again, because everything that can go wrong has gone, oh, Mike, wrong. And my mental health and safety protocols could not be in a worse spot. But hey, the holiday break and some family time, some good food, some great gifts are hopefully coming our way, your way, to give us all some reprieve from this Lakers season from hell. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by, unfortunately, no one today, but there is some big news to catch up on. I wanted to give my co-hosts a break for the rest of this holiday season. So I'm just going to jump in here and talk about number one, the big Anthony Davis injury news. Number two, Isaiah Thomas's surprising revival back into the NBA with the Lakers. And then number three, I'm going to talk about what the Lakers should do moves-wise to stem the tide in Anthony Davis's absence. And by that, I'm talking about should they acquire another big, whether it's via trade, free agency, slash the buyout market, or via another hardship exception the same way that they signed Isaiah Thomas. So with all that said... Let's get into it. I will say that as of the time of this recording, the Lakers have just lost to the Chicago Bulls, 110 to 115. You know, it was a hard-fought game. This was also Trevor Ariza's first game back as a Laker in 12 years. And, you know, he hit his only shot, a three-pointer. That was great to see. And for spurts out there, actually competed defensively and showed his length. And I think that's going to come into play for us over this next stretch very heavily, and we're going to need him. And yeah, it was just nice to see Trevor Ariza back. Carmelo Anthony got back into the swing of things, hitting five threes, 21 points, his first 20-point game in the last 19 games or so. So he really had it going, and it's a rare thing to see him going on the road because we've known him as Staples slash Crypto Mellow all season. Uh, so that was a nice sight to see because we, we're also going to need Carmelo Anthony. There were some units out there where Carmelo was the five, and uh, yeah. Uh, LeBron James, stellar game, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, even got DeMar DeRozan on a drive and stuffed him. He had a stellar game, and it's unfortunate that we, you know, didn't capitalize on it and we wasted it, but uh, we had those micro ball LeBron James at the 5 units, and LeBron James being surrounded by four shooters worked effectively well, as you'd imagine. He was able to find Carmelo Anthony for some really nice threes, and, and yeah, you know, at the end of the day... 
the Lakers' inability to crash the boards, some very key late-game bad decisions by Russell Westbrook, poor shot selection, uh, LeBron James maybe settling for the three-point shot a little too much down the stretch as well. You know, all, all those things contributed to the Lakers not being able to eke this out and pull this through, even though they had a pretty good shot at doing so. Keep in mind, though, that the Bulls also didn't have Zach Levine on their side. Uh, But with that said, we're not here to talk about the Chicago Bulls-Lakers game because, again, with everything that's going on in the NBA, all of the game postponements, all of the players who have been put in health and safety protocols, during this next week stretch into Christmas, into the new year, it's really going to be hard to take anything substantial away from any of these games where most teams, especially the Lakers, are just trying to survive for 48 minutes and see if they can get a W in the win column or, you know, get a game in the win column. So we're mainly going to talk about today the repercussions of Anthony Davis's injury. And we learned this weekend that after Jaden McDaniels unfortunately whiplashed his head into Anthony Davis's knee, that he is going to miss the next four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. Thank God that it's not an ACL tear of any sort or that it's not going to be a season-ending injury. But yeah, the Lakers are going to be scraping for some big man help and are going to miss the anchor of their defense for the next six weeks. And so, you know, I am obviously very glad that this was nothing worse and that Anthony Davis is going to get a second chance at this season when he he returns. And one silver lining to this all is that even without this MCL sprain, it seemed like Anthony Davis was laboring out there, and I think he was already dealing with some knee soreness, and he had been dealing also with a, a hip injury. And just from the eye test... I don't think he looked right out there. Even before Jaden McDaniel slammed into his knee, Anthony Davis was sort of, yeah, laboring. And whatever kinks and nicks and bruises he's been dealing with this season, he's been playing through it. But it's clear that he probably should have just sat because we're not seeing Anthony Davis at even 95%, you know, this last these last few weeks. And I don't think it's just solely the bulk that he's put on that's making him lethargic or making him look like he's loafing around the court. I really do think that there's something wrong with him, his his body, and he's hitting a wall, whether it whether that's physically but also mentally for sure. One thing that this MCL sprain does is maybe it allows for his other body parts to heal in the process as well, and maybe it allows Anthony Davis to get his mind set right as well. So if there's any silver lining, I... I guess I could take away from this is that hopefully Anthony Davis in all other aspects outside of his knee can get right. Now, the unfortunate part about all of this is, again, just this revolving door of Lakers players going in and out. Right when you get back Trevor Ariza, Anthony Davis is gone to you for the next four to six weeks. So we don't get to see that 80 at the five starting lineup that involves Trevor Ariza or or a Wayne Ellington, you know? Um, and then with all the health and safety protocols, THT being out, Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, it's just hard to, to really gain any useful info in this time period. And 
it's going to get better once all those guys are back, but just losing the anchor to your defense like Anthony Davis and not having that safety valve, that vertical safety valve lob-wise is, uh, yeah, it's going to really hurt this team. It's going to change their identity. And I guess the unfortunate part about all this is the Lakers have had to do so much jigsawing already chemistry-wise up until this point, and they're going to have to keep doing these jigsaw paradigm shifts all along the way. And then when Anthony Davis does come back, I'm just worried that it's going to be like last season where he comes back, but he's still gimpy. He's going to be more vulnerable to, to injury. And how much is he really going to be operating at? Like what percentage is he really going to be operating when he's back? Uh, I almost want to just chalk it up and, and, just tell myself that when Anthony Davis returns, we can't count on him to be Anthony Davis. He's probably going to be 80% Anthony Davis at best. And if any Lakers fans remember that second season, uh, the 2008-2009 season, where Andrew Bynum had another injury, I think around February, and he was expected to be out about a month and a month and a half, and he was able to return right before the playoffs started. But you could tell, even though the Lakers had Andrew Bynum for that championship run where they beat Dwight Howard in the in the playoffs and the finals, that Andrew Bynum wasn't right. He wasn't fully 100% Andrew Bynum. And so I almost expect Anthony Davis to be that way when he returns, and we can't expect him to look like, you know, even what we saw before this knee injury, like the the... 75 80% Anthony Davis that was kind of lethargically loafing around that's it's going to be probably worse than that and so I think that's the disappointing part about all this like it's going to take a Herculean effort from LeBron James from Russell Westbrook it's going to take all the guys being healthy from here on out for us to even have have a legitimate chance to make a long playoff run and I'm just honestly worried if how long Anthony Davis is going to be able to hold up after he comes back from his injury because there's going to be a short period of time where he's going to have to transition himself and get his sea legs underneath him. And not only is that going to be a physical transition for him, but it's going to be another chemistry shift for the Lakers. Now, thank God Anthony Davis is a is a pretty easy plug-and-play sort of guy as a big man. But it's going to totally shift what players are used to, what lineups they're used to playing in, the units that they've come to know uh, in his absence. And yeah, again, the most unfortunate part about all this is the Lakers are just going to be thrown into multiple different sorts of situations where they have to continue to rejigger what they're doing, what their philosophy is, what their identity is, and in a season where we still don't know who they are and we still haven't had a sustained period where they're firing on all cylinders, it's just you almost wonder whether time is up for this team. And you just hope that they, the best case scenario at this point is that they somehow catch fire at just the right time and momentum takes them through the playoffs and they're able to miraculously make something happen. But as it stands right now with Anthony Davis's Uh, situation and him coming out at just the most inopportune time right when you get Ariza back and then none's going to be back in the next you know two or three weeks it's just it just prolongs and delays any shots you have of really building and turning yourself into a legitimate contender and everything's going to have to be done on the fly but you know what else can be done on the fly this holiday season picking up a brand new podcast to listen to so I want to talk to you about the Knuckleheads podcast. 
The Knuckleheads podcast is hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They did the fist head bump, as you all know. Uh, They are in the seventh season of doing this podcast, and the Knuckleheads podcast brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. As you may or may not know, NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. This is their seventh season of doing this podcast, so listen as they invite special guests, high-profile athletes, musicians, and other entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. So don't be a knucklehead, as Charles Barkley would say, and listen to the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles this holiday season. All right, so with Anthony Davis out for the next four to six weeks, and with Omicron doing damage to the entire league and throwing entire rosters into a loop putting many a player into health and safety protocols, what should the Lakers do to stem the tide in Anthony Davis's absence? Well, one, they should cut DeAndre Jordan. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet, but DeAndre Jordan is adding new dimensions to the definition of useless. So one, they need to cut DeAndre Jordan. Two, they need to sign another big man, whether that's another power forward or that's another center, someone who can ideally crash the boards, be a bruising body down low. He can innings eat and move his feet just a little bit better than DeAndre Jordan, which isn't going to be hard to find. So they need to find one of those guys. Uh, If he can space the floor as well, that would be a huge plus. And now I'm going to walk you through some options that I've outlined that the Lakers can take to try and gain some big man support in the interim. So first and foremost, at the Lakers' disposal is they can look to the G League. Currently, the Winter G League Showcase is going on in Las Vegas, although who knows how long that will last. I think the Toronto team dropped out because of Omicron. But they can look to their own South Bay Lakers team for some help. They are already very familiar with Cameron Oliver. Uh, He is the, the athletic, bulky, power forward tweener who can also, you know, shoot a three point shot. Uh, who you remember probably during preseason that, you know, maybe they give Cameron Oliver a shot. There's no way he could be any worse than DeAndre Jordan. So they could look to the G League, whether it's Cameron Oliver or another standout player. Maybe they go after a dude who's, you know, seven foot. I don't currently have a list of G League players playing in the Winter Showcase who are seven foot and above, but around the Cam Oliver sort of template, just another big who can space the floor, be active, crash the boards, take some fouls, etc., Along those same lines, obviously, they can start playing Jay Huff a little bit more, see what they have in the kid, right? Because Jay Huff in Virginia, I think he led the ACC in blocks last season. He averaged like 2.6 blocks. He also shot a pretty good percentage from the three-point line. He is your prototypical sort of 3 and D big man. He is in that Brooke Lopez type build and can move a little bit as well. He has a really long wingspan, 7'2 to be exact, almost 7'3". Uh, He is a legit seven foot. So, I mean, just 
put that guy out there in some units. He wasn't played at all in the Chicago game. I'm not sure why, but we should definitely get a look at Jay Huff to see what he can do. Theoretically, he can space the floor. He can block some shots. He may be raw. He may be weak right now. His body may not be there yet as an NBA center, but now's the time to see what you have in Jay Huff. And again, there's no way he could be any worse than DeAndre Jordan. So there's the G League route. Uh, the next route the Lakers can take is by signing another big man free agent in the same vein that they signed Isaiah Thomas. Now they can do that at the center position. So they can either look to sign them outright, but they'd have to cut a player, whether that's Avery Bradley, DeAndre Jordan, or they can avail of another hardship exception. I think because of all of their losses currently, they can use, they still have another hardship exception that they can use. But who knows whether that will still be available to them once, you know, THT, Dwight, Reeves, Monk return from health and safety protocols. So let's just say that the Lakers try to sign a big man. Who are the current free agents that they could look at that are not currently on any teams right now that they could just outright pick from the free agency market? Here are a list of centers and bigs. And I want to caveat this by saying it is not a great list, but there is a reason why these guys aren't signed, you know? Sadly, though, I would put any of these guys' names up against DeAndre Jordan and say that they could probably do what he's doing now, and we've got a better shot at seeing something more highly mobile and more effective than what we currently have with DJ. So with that said, here's a list of current free agents that the Lakers could sign outright right now. Number one, John Henson. This guy is only 30 years old somehow. He's 6'9", 6'10", but he's got a tremendous seven foot, let me just make sure I have this right, seven foot six wingspan. So John Henson is long as heck. Is he lanky? Is he thin? Yeah, but I think he'll get the job done when it comes to rim protection, crashing the boards, and just being a big body that can innings eat and soak up some minutes. So John Henson's there. You've got Justin Patton. Justin Patton is, I believe, a legit 6'11". He can space the floor a little bit. He's got a seven foot three wingspan. He's a former just outside of the lotto pick, uh, first round pick in the 2017 draft. He was picked number 16. I think he's currently playing for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, but Justin Patton would not be a bad play. He's only 24 years old. Why not give this guy a chance? Again, he can shoot from the outside. He's a big body with a long wingspan. Just put him out there. He's got young legs. That's the other positive. Only 24. There's Justin Patton. There's also guys like Marquise Chris and Harry Giles, who I've been harping about this entire offseason, who I wish the Lakers would have even just given a flyer on. Both of those guys are still relatively young. They have shown upside in the past. So, you know, if the Lakers are looking to get more athletic, gain some young legs, Harry Giles and Marquise Chris are there. Marquise Chris is only 24 years old. Harry Giles is only 23 years old, right? He played for the Clippers before eventually getting knocked out in his fight against Isaiah Hardenstein for that last roster spot. So Marquise Chris, Harry Giles, or Harry Giles are out there. Some lower-end names, uh, Thon Maker. I don't think the Lakers want to play around with that experiment anymore. Likewise with Jaleel Okafor. Jaleel Okafor is 26 years old, but he's only useful on the offensive end, if that, because he's also a black hole in the post. Um, so yeah, there's Thonmaker, Jaleel Okafor. There's uh, NBA veteran Bismack Biombo. So if you're looking for just someone who is solid and can get the job done, knows his role, there is Bismack Biombo. I don't even know. How old is this guy? He's only 29 somehow, which is crazy. He's always kind of looked like he's been 
perpetually 35 years old. But Bismack Biombo, 6'9", 7'6", wingspan. You know he's going to crash the boards. You know he's going to protect the rim. Pretty good pick-and-roll player. Rolls pretty hard as well. So that guy might not be a bad stopgap. Um, I'm going to bring this guy's name up just because I feel like he'd be the perfect template if he wasn't a racist. And I'm talking about Myers Leonard. Used to be on the Miami Heat. And I think just prototypically, template-wise, Myers Leonard would be the perfect stopgap for Anthony Davis because he can space the floor for you. He's got a really sturdy body and can bang down low. He's pretty athletic. Uh, He's long. And he's still young. He has fresh legs as well. So it's unfortunate, however, that Myers Leonard, again, is a is a racist. And I correct myself, he's not that young anymore. He's 29 years old, but he still would have been a pretty good proxy for Anthony Davis. And at the very least would give you that length and that height and um, that strength too, but still space the floor as well. So those are the current free agents who are out there on the market. I would have added Luke Cornett to this list. He's a seven-footer who can space the floor, but I believe he just got signed by the Cleveland Cavaliers, actually. But yeah, if the Lakers choose to sign someone outright right now, whether it's via the hardship exception or cutting a guy like DeAndre Jordan and signing them for the rest of the season or signing them to a 10-day contract or whatever or a non-guaranteed contract, they can look at any of these guys. John Henson, Justin Patton, Myers Leonard, Marquise Chris, Harry Giles, uh, Jaleel Okafor, Thon Maker, Bismack Biombo. Now, let's turn our sights to trades. Let's say the Lakers choose to trade for a big man. Let's go on the lower end of things first in terms of what are some low-end moves that they can pull without giving up any substantial assets. So I'm mainly talking about THT. In terms of second-round picks or picks in general, here's what the Lakers have in terms of draft capital. The earliest second-round pick that they can trade would be a 2023 second-round pick. The Lakers don't have any first or second-round picks in 2022, but they do have two second-round picks in 2023. They have their own second-round pick, and they have a second-round pick from the Wizards via the Russell Westbrook trade. They're either going to have their own first-round pick in 2023, or they'll have the Pelicans because the Pelicans have the right to pick swap. But in 2023, the Lakers will have two second-round picks, which means they can use one of those to trade for a big man right now and still have a second-round pick left over. So that may be an avenue that they may try, that they may want to try. In along with that second round pick, though, the Lakers also have a $2.7 million exception that they got from the Marcus Gasol deal, where they dumped him onto Memphis and attached a second round pick along with him to salary dump Marcus Gasol. In return, they also got a $2.7 million exception. So they could essentially absorb somebody into their, into their books without having to give up anybody, and they could potentially save somebody another team some money 2.7 million if they add their second round pick to that that could potentially be enough to sweeten the deal grease the wheels for uh, a stopgap center as they wait for Anthony Davis to return and maybe use throughout the duration of the rest of the season so who are some guys that they could target all right here's a list of guys they could target uh, for a second round pick and or just absorbing them using their trade, their TPE, their $2.7 million exception. Obviously, everybody on this list who I'm bringing up is going to make $2.7 million or less because that's the amount that they have to fit. But here's a list of big men. There's Ed Davis on the Cavaliers. He would, Ed Davis at this point is pretty old, I believe. How old is he? 
I should have done my research. Um, Ed Davis is 32 years old. He's old-ish. Um, Lakers fans will remember Ed Davis for the time that he played with us, I believe during the Jeremy Lin seasons. Uh, so he would be another former Laker coming back to the Lakers. And yeah, he would fit that narrative. There's Trey Lyles from the Detroit Pistons. I don't think this is a necessarily a good option, but he's a former semi-lotto pick who can stretch the floor. He'd be on the lower end of my list. Then you've got uh, Ennis Cantor, I, Ennis Freedom, I mean. There's no chance the Lakers would trade for this guy, trade even a second for him, but I'm just putting his name in here just for due diligence. There's Andre Drummond on the 76ers. I don't know where the Sixers are taking their season. It seems like he is an important part of their season as a Joel Embiid handcuff. Uh, but I'm just putting his name out there because he's making he's on a minimum salary. The Lakers could give the Sixers a second-round pick for their troubles, and we get the big Penguin back, but unlikely again. Then we've got Cody Zeller on the Portland Trailblazers. Again, these are bottom-barrel dudes. Cody Zeller's 29. He is 6'11. He hasn't really lived up to his high lottery pick status, but he can somewhat shoot a jump shot. He will scrap it up for you down low. There's Cody Zeller. Now, here are my premier names that I would trade for using a second round pick. First up, and Lakers fans will be very familiar with this. In fact, I've heard a lot of his name going around in, in recent days since Anthony Davis went down. But of course, the Sacramento Kings, Damian Jones. Can the Lakers pry him away from the Sacramento Kings using a second round pick? I'm not sure. He had a really good game on Sunday against whoever they played. Maybe the Kings just want another asset because they are loaded with big men. Tristan Thompson, they got Alex Len. They're still trying to trade away Marvin Bagley. They're using Chemezi Metu. So maybe they'd be willing to give up Damian Jones for a second round pick. And in that in that case, it would be a good redemption story for the Lakers after having signed Damian Jones last year to a 10-day contract and him sort of filling that vertical lob threat that the Lakers needed and just having a big athletic body who can move his feet a little bit in the pick and roll, but really you're, you're using him as a rim protector and... He is, I feel like, the younger version of DeAndre Jordan at this point, you know? So I would love to get Damian Jones back. He would be a huge asset for this team and provide Russell Westbrook and LeBron James with a, a lob threat and a lob outlet. So, yeah, Damian Jones would be my one of my main targets for if we're talking about second-round trades, second-round pick trades. And then, actually, I think my number one would be Willie Hernan Gomez. He's currently on the New Orleans Pelicans. He's 27 years old. He is 6'11 with a 7'1 wingspan. Pretty much everywhere Willie Hernan Gomez has gone, he's been very solid and effective. Currently on the season, he's averaging 8.6.6 rebounds on 63% from the field, shoots 72% from the line. He can hit a mid-range jump shot here and there, but I just think overall he is a beast on the boards for one thing. And he has just always been solid anytime he's gotten minutes. And his per 36 numbers this year are 20 points and 17 rebounds. His per 36 last year, 15 points, 14 rebounds. The year before that in 2019-20, 18 points, 13 rebounds. So on a permanent basis, this guy is just a, a rebounding beast and somebody that the Lakers could greatly use and need and so I think he's also sort of versatile offensively as well and again a big body 6'11 with a 7 foot 1 wingspan 
Willie Hernan Gomez, the New Orleans Pelicans are clearly not going anywhere. They still have to develop Jackson Hayes. And so if I were the Lakers, I would try to pry him from David Griffin, although I know he's currently making like $2.3 million and has like two more years on his contract after this year. So it's uh, debatable whether or not, you know, David Griffin would help us out in that capacity. But who knows? Willie Hernan Gomez, try and get him. Um... Outside of Willie Hernan Gomez and Damian Jones, you guys already know my affinity for Robin Lopez. At this point, I'm not sure if the Orlando Magic are willing to give him up because they have their own health and safety protocol ailments to deal with and have actually started him in games. But I would try and pry Robin Lopez from the Orlando Magic. I would try to, outside of Damian Jones, see if the Sacramento Kings would give us Alex Len, Tristan Thompson, whether they get bought out and we sign them outright or we trade a second round pick their way, again, that 2023 second round pick, I would try and get any of the Sacramento Kings big men because I think any of them are better than DeAndre Jordan. I would even try Marvin Bagley, even though he's on, I think, a $7 million contract. But that would be an interesting flyer to take uh, on a big man in in Anthony Davis's stead. Uh, Indiana Pacers, I would try and get Goga Batadze. I think the Pacers, after they eventually offload Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, I think they want to try and develop Isaiah Jackson. And so I think Goga Batadze will take a backseat there. So can the Lakers find a way to pry Goga Batadze? I think it'll take more than a second-round pick for sure, but I would just inquire. Obviously, there's Daniel Tice on the Houston Rockets, although he is making, I believe, around the mid-level exception, like $9 million. So it would probably take... Kendrick Nunn to to get Daniel Tice but at this point you know we haven't seen Nunn play yet would the Lakers make such a move I'm not sure but Daniel Tice is another option out there lastly we have a guy in Kem Birch on the Toronto Raptors they have a slew of big men that they have to try and find minutes for as well including Chris Boucher uh, and Precious Achua so maybe Kem Birch can be had and this guy he used to play for the Orlando Magic I believe is also a very solid player who can rebound the ball space the floor a little bit and would be a good stopgap again for a guy like Anthony Davis like nothing too exciting not a high ceiling but just solid so I would also look at Kem Birch now if we're talking to trading THT for a big man which I don't think the Lakers will do I still think the priority is if we're going to trade THT we trade him for a 3 and D wing but let's say that the Lakers do want to try and trade THT. I know a lot of people want to want to trade him for Miles Turner. Sure, if the Pacers will give us Miles Turner, that would be amazing. If they give us Miles Turner for THT, then do that yesterday, right? He would be a great stopgap for Anthony Davis, but also be a great pairing when Anthony Davis does return and can also sort of take the burden off Anthony Davis when he comes back. So yeah, Miles Turner for sure, if that's even possible. I don't think it is. I think some guys that you could get for THT now that I don't think the Lakers should do, but you can get him, would be Kelly Olynyk on the Detroit Pistons. He is still recovering from, I believe, a sprain of his own, but I think he's due back in the next two or three weeks. So if you wanted to trade THT, and I think in the next two or three weeks is when THT is even eligible to be traded, January 15th. So if you wanted to trade THT for Kelly Olynyk, you could. I just don't think the Lakers would lowball themselves to that point. And I don't think they'd be that desperate to get Kelly Olynyk just to, you know, stem the tide of this Anthony Davis gap. And by January 15th, when you can trade THT, it's almost like, what, Anthony Davis has two or three le- two or three weeks left in his rehab. But I guess the only positive, or I guess the argument for Kelly Olynyk is he would not be a 
bad big man to pair next to Anthony Davis just because he is so versatile. He can shoot the three-point shot. Um, he can pass a little bit. He can rebound. He, he, he does everything. So he would be a pretty good Marcus Gasol uh, proxy, but one who's more athletic and can move better next to Anthony Davis. So Kelly Olenek would be a name, but that's only if the Lakers would actually think about trading THT, and I probably wouldn't advise them to in this scenario. And then even three rungs lower than that is if the Lakers wanted to trade for this guy, they could probably get Mason Plumley if they wanted to, to give the Charlotte Hornets uh, THT. Uh, Mason Plumley is like the non-shooting version of Kelly Olynyk, he can pass the ball, he can rebound, he can rim protect pretty well, he's pretty sturdily built, but yeah, that's a very lower end name for if the Lakers wanted to trade for THT, or wanted to trade THT for a big man. Um, so yeah, th- those are kind of my bottom barrel list of big men that the Lakers could sign outright, or trade a second round for, second rounder for, trade a second round pick for, use their 2.7 million exception. Again, slim pickings, but any of these guys, I feel like, would do a much better job than DeAndre Jordan, and even when Dwight Howard comes back, I do think we need to back him up, even still. So if we can get any of these guys, even any of the current free agents that are out on the market, I think that would help us out. So I expect one of those moves to happen, honestly, in the coming days, and even if it's trying out Jay Huff, I'm totally down for that. I just want to see it happen. I want to see the kid get some minutes. And so far, that hasn't happened yet. Um, to close this episode, let's talk about Isaiah Thomas. So initially, when I heard of the signing, I was very perplexed. And this was before all of the health and safety protocol stuff came down. It made a lot more sense when that happened. And we realized that Russell Westbrook could be in the health and safety protocols. Um, but I have been very pleasantly surprised by Isaiah Thomas and... It's, it's not only been a feel-good story, but he has actually legitimately helped this team out with his dynamic offensive play and shooting. I mean, in the, in the two games he's played, he's averaging 16 points. He's hit five three-pointers in that time span. He's pulling up in transition and knocking down that three-point shot. He's seemingly getting to any spot that he wants to, whether it's, you know, into the paint or in the mid-range, stopping for those floaters or those pull-up mid-range jump shots. Like, He's been very effective, and in the first game he played, he was getting to the line at ease and really drawing contact, and I don't know. he's At this point, I feel like he's earned a spot on the team, and at the very least, he's showing us what could be once Kendrick Nunn gets healthy and returns to the lineup. Because like I mentioned before, Kendrick Nunn does a lot of the similar things that Isaiah Thomas does, being a triple threat sort of player who can shoot the three ball, can pull up on a dime in the mid-range, and can also take it to the basket. While obviously Isaiah Thomas is shorter than Kendrick Nunn, he's sort of providing you with a proxy of what Nunn can provide this team. And so it's nice to even just get a look of you know, pseudo Nunn with Isaiah Thomas out there. And he started next to Westbrook in the Chicago game as well. So I think most of all, intangibly, Isaiah Thomas has just brought a heart and spirit that this team sort of has been lacking or has been waning and has been fickle throughout this entire season. And to see Isaiah Thomas, you know, sacrifice his body out there, even on defense, like he's never going to be a good defender. But the fact that he's trying out there, he's hustling, he's he's putting his body in harm's way, trying to draw charges, I think is 
that's the type of energy that this team needs to sort of wake them up, you know? Um, I think there is could be some sort of galvanizing effect around Anthony Davis's injury, but also just seeing a guy like Isaiah Thomas working so tirelessly to get back into the league and finally getting his shot here and literally leaving it all out on the floor and giving his all. And even when he's on the bench, you see him clapping it up and trying to energize the guys and trying to cheer his team on. That's the type of stuff that this season has needed on a more consistent level. And so from that end, I thank Isaiah Thomas for being this sort of spark, not only tangibly on the court, but I feel like just emotionally and intangibly off the court as well as it pertains to the, the team's morale. And so I've been really impressed by him. And at this point, I, I would I would cut Avery Bradley for Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I know f- how much Frank Vogel loves Avery Bradley's defense, but he's getting that same sort of hustle and heart from Isaiah Thomas, even though it doesn't show, show up height-wise or physicality-wise de- defensively. Like, he is bringing it offensively, and he is providing a dynamic spark to our offense through his, you know, kind of il- still elite uh, primary b- scoring off his own dribble and being able to pull up again uh, from three in transition, keep the defense on edge with his you know slippery drives to the basket and being able to actually draw contact. And he's a stellar free throw shooter. So yeah, I really like what I've seen from Isaiah Thomas. He looks healthy. Again, he looks like he can get to any spot that he wants to. Uh, he still has that playmaking vision within him in a pinch if the shot clock's running down and the ball swings to him. So I like what I've seen. It obviously becomes very redundant when Kendrick Nunn comes back. So one thing I'm wondering is, does Isaiah Thomas truly make Kendrick Nunn more expendable? So when Kendrick Nunn does come back, maybe the Lakers do use Kendrick Nunn as a trade asset and try and swing a trade for any of the big man names I previously listed. I could see that as a potential possibility. So look out for that. I still would like to see what we have in Kendrick Nunn. Um, but at this point, if you know Isaiah Thomas is going to give you essentially what you'd get from Nunn, albeit less defense and shorter, um, and probably less athleticism, fresher legs that Nunn would provide you with, but essentially Kendrick Nunn, then maybe you see what you have in Kendrick Nunn in the trade market and see if you can fill another hole. But even when Kendrick Nunn returns, I could see Isaiah Thomas sticking or maybe Isaiah Thomas becomes the new Rajon Rondo in terms of break in case of emergency. But at this point, I like what he provides to the team and he spaces the floor, gives the team another ball handler, and he's better than Rondo and and Avery Bradley at this stage. So I don't mind him sticking with this team. And initially, I just saw him as a feel-good Andre Ingram story. We'd clap, his 10 days would be over, and that will be it. But he's actually performing, and he's actually useful to what this team wants to do, especially for going micro-ball and trying to lean into the offense with LeBron James and spacers and shooters and you know guys who can do something off the dribble. Isaiah Thomas can do that, and he still has his, very, his veteran savviness and his smarts. So kudos to Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if this will last, but... It's kind of a feel-good holiday Christmas story as we head into Christmas. So for all those reasons, you know, I hope Isaiah Thomas sticks. Even if he doesn't, I feel like he provided this team with an emotional spark that has been sorely lacking and that we need to carry us through this, you know, tough stretch where we're going to be out, we're going to be without our our second-best player. So I'll leave it there. This episode has gone long. Those are my thoughts on the Anthony Davis injury. 
what to do about big man stop gaps, and also what I think about Isaiah Thomas. So kudos to Isaiah. Glad he's back in the league. And welcome back, Trevor Ariza. Once we get THT back, Dwight Howard, Austin Reeves, I think we will actually be able to do a pretty substantial job patchwork quilting together, a, a pretty fun and dynamic team led by LeBron James. My one big concern is that I hope we do not put too much strain on his shoulders and that we are able to find him one or two more big men, whether that's a center or a power forward tweener, to help him out because it's clear, I mean, LeBron James had like 14 rebounds tonight and him playing center, even if it's Melo playing center, we don't want to put that burden on him for this entire four to six weeks week stretch. I know Dwight Howard will help, but I think just even getting more big bodies to innings eat for us will help keep LeBron James fresh. We do not want to sputter this guy out, kind of like the way that Mike D'Antoni did with Kobe Bryant during that 2012-13, now this is going to be fun season when he inevitably you know, tore his Achilles. We want to somehow win these games, but make sure that we don't run LeBron James into the ground. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time. If I don't see you again, or if you don't hear from me again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. I believe we should have one additional episode coming out either before Christmas or right around Christmas Day. So look out for that. I believe it will be a a THT Trades Part 2 segment um, as we head into January 15th. But with that said, thank you guys for listening, and yeah, happy holidays. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.